It's by really just taking off the armor and connecting with that lived experience. Yes, it's going to touch your heart. It could break your heart, but your heart will heal just in the knowing that you made a difference by showing up fully for this other person. Welcome. I am your host, Nicole Nyberg. I am a neonatal nurse practitioner and also a proud preemie mama to my son, William, who just happens to be a former 23-weeker. So if you are a current or former NICU parent, you have come to the right place. I have been exactly where you are, and I know what you're going through. We will be discussing all things related to the neonatal intensive care unit for preterm and term infants, as well as some of the emotions and struggles parents endure along the way in the NICU and beyond. So tune in and get ready to become educated and empowered. This is the Empowering NICU Parents Podcast. While I make every effort to broadcast correct and up-to-date information, medicine is constantly evolving and advancing, and I continue to learn new things each day. Every NICU baby and their journey is different, and every institution varies in their practices as well. So please, always consult your obstetrician and your infant's physician for any medical issues or concerns. I am presenting from my personal experience and knowledge. My opinions do not represent that of my employers. Hi there. First and foremost, I want to sincerely apologize for my absence last month. My family moved to a new state and life has been a little bit chaotic, but today we have an extra special bonus episode for you that you do not want to miss. For this podcast episode, I was very honored to be joined by Miss Mary Coughlin. Miss Coughlin is a published author with credits that include the seminal paper introducing the concept of core measures for developmentally supportive care, the 2011 clinical practice guidelines for age-appropriate care of the premature and critically ill hospitalized infant for the National Association of Neonatal Nurses, Transformative Nursing in the NICU, Trauma-Informed Age-Appropriate Care, First and Second Editions, and Trauma-Informed Care in the NICU, Evidence-Based Practice Guidelines, for transdisciplinary neonatal clinicians endorsed by NAN and recognized by the National Association of Neonatal Therapists and the Council for International Neonatal Nurses as the definitive resource for evidence-based best practices in neuroprotective, developmentally supportive care for hospitalized infants and families. Mary Now, in her role as president of Caring Essentials Collaborative, has educated, inspired, and empowered close to 10,000 interdisciplinary NICU clinicians from over 14 countries to transform the experience of care for the hospitalized infant and family in crisis. From speaking engagements and keynote presentations to individual coaching, masterclasses, and unit-based organizational quality improvement initiatives, Mary leads a team at Caring Essentials Collaborative. She is also the mother of six and grandmother to eight beautiful children. Mary and her husband, Dan, live in Boston, Massachusetts with their dog, George. Woo! And I can tell you that is just a summarization of Mary's biography and all of her accomplishments. It was such a personal joy to sit down and discuss her work experience that led her to the transformational work she's doing today. Just listening to Mary is transformational. If you work in the NICU as a clinician, you must 
listen to this episode. Mary reminds us of the importance of our role and why it is so crucial for us to embrace our vulnerability, take our armor down, and truly connect with each other on a human level. Trauma-informed care is not about doing more as a clinician. It is about being more of your loving, compassionate self so you can make a difference by fully showing up for your patient and their family. Mary and I also discuss a trauma that is so common for NICU parents throughout their NICU journey and in the years to follow. So many NICU parents feel alone and isolated in the process, yet it is so common to so many. We discuss the word trauma and why it is often downplayed or not spoken openly about in NICUs like it should be. And most importantly, we share the importance of working through and moving through your trauma, which will be difficult, but it is essential for the well-being of the entire family unit. Trauma-informed care is a concept that has been applied to several areas of medicine and patient care, but its application to the NICU is still emerging. Mary learned about trauma-informed care and knew that she had to introduce it to the NICU world. Not only does trauma-informed care directly affect the patient or the baby, but it also addresses the family as well as the clinicians who are caring for the infant and family. Mary explains why the personal journeys we all go through in each of our stories play into an intricate web that involves each and every one of us. It is through this that we can all heal each other. Stay tuned. You will not want to miss this one. Have you been searching for the perfect NICU journal and you've been unable to find it? At Empowering NICU Parents, we have created a comprehensive NICU journal called Our NICU Roadmap. The journal is specific for NICU infants and includes everything you've been looking for plus more. We took all of your suggestions to heart and recently revised the journal based on your feedback as well. So it is smaller in size and will fit right into your bag, plus at a better price. The journal has everything I felt was pertinent, both as a neonatal nurse practitioner and a former NICU mother. Our NICU Roadmap provides a place for you to document all of your baby's progress while they're in the NICU. It will equip you with all of the necessary tools so you can confidently become an active member of your baby's care team. We have included educational resources to help you understand the NICU journey better, including, but not limited to, a detailed glossary that covers terms and abbreviations common to the NICU, and a NICU image to help you understand equipment commonly used in the NICU. Not sure what questions to even ask the NICU care team? We have you covered. The daily log guides you with questions to ask the care team, plus adequate space to document all of the pertinent updates for your baby each day. Next, we included specific areas to document all of the details on your amazing miracle, including birth stats, delivery details, weekly measurements, eye exam, and head ultrasound results. We also included a separate full journal section in the back to help you document and process all of your feelings and emotions throughout the journey. In our journal, you will find everything you need plus the finite details you have not even thought of yet. I promise you will look back on this and be amazed by your little one and all of their achievements, and it will be such a great keepsake. Go and grab your copy of our NICU Roadmap now on Amazon. Or if you are interested in buying in bulk at a discounted price for your hospital or organization, 
head to empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash NICU journal to contact us and see additional details and images of our journal or find the link in the show notes. This episode of our podcast is sponsored by Undercover Mama, where innovation meets convenience. Their affordable nursing tanks with one-hand nursing access allow for easy and convenient nursing or pumping. Or shop their fashionable nursing shirts and dresses that will be staple pieces for any new mother's wardrobe. I so wish I knew about Undercover Mama and their nursing tanks and shirts when I had William. They also carry bundles that include a matching swaddle blanket and a hat or headband in classic simple prints for your sweet little one. Undercover Mama's blankets are made of incredibly luxurious, soft, and lightweight fabric that you and your baby will love. Rest assured that once you purchase from Undercover Mama, because they offer a 100% satisfaction guaranteed policy and a one-year warranty against any defects in materials or workmanship on their products. Support this female-owned company founded by two mothers that took their personal obstacles they met when they were nursing and turned it into a successful business to support all nursing mothers out there, just like you. Find your perfect nursing tank plus so much more at empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash mama. That's empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash M-A-M-A or find the link in our show notes. Now back to the episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Today, I am humbled and honored to be joined by a very special guest, Mary Coughlin. So Mary, if you could just share a little bit about yourself, your family, and where you live. Okay, yes. Hi, my name is Mary Coughlin, and I am a neonatal nurse practitioner by training. I um, graduated many years ago and started my nursing career in the United States Air Force Nurses Corps which was an absolute amazing experience. I served um, seven years of active duty before transitioning into civilian nursing and took my first civilian position at the Brigham and Women's Hospital here in Boston. Started out as a bedside nurse, um, you know, did charge nursing for a while, then got itchy. I think from being in the service, you know, and they move you all around, they're always challenging you. I got that embedded in my uh, DNA, I guess. So I was just always looking for the next thing, um, decided to become a neonatal nurse practitioner. And that was just a really amazing experience, but didn't satisfy my wandering intellect and then began to do um, education. I'm born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. You might be able to detect a bit of an accent once I start talking and get excited. During my tour of duty, however, I was stationed in Texas. Um, I was out in California. And then I was up in New Hampshire, which is just a stone's throw from here, so not a big deal. But I'm back, you know, back in Boston again, which has always been my stomping ground. So <laughs> that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I love, yes, just to hear your background and where you are today and how you got there, which just leads us into the next question, as you briefly touched on, but I want you to go a little bit more. You have such an incredibly vast and accomplished career. I was laughing because I'm speaking at the A1 conference at the pre-conference and I'm speaking about neuroprotection and neurodevelopment. And just as I was doing research, it's amazing how many times you as your name or as the author came up and I know definitely your career and, and all of the accomplishments and things that you've contributed towards. But if you just don't mind sharing a little bit more about your nursing career and then what led you to the work that you're doing today. Yeah. So 
it is really funny, you know, when, uh, when you look back on your career, everything, you know, makes sense and it all aligns with where you are in that moment. But as you're navigating it in the moment, you have no idea what direction you're going. And that was kind of me, you know, um, I really didn't know I was going to fall into neonatal nursing. I was doing adults when I was in the military until my last tour of duty where I was introduced to the NICU. I, I actually thought I was going to the neuro ICU, the adult neuro ICU. And I walk into the unit and it's the smallest people I've ever seen in my life <laughs> and, um, and just fell madly in love with them. So I knew that that was where I wanted to go when I started my civilian practice and loved it, loved bedside nursing, loved advanced practice nursing. You know, it was super challenging. I'm a psychoadrenaline junkie. So it was really great. But um, I really was aching for that more, I don't know, I, I viewed myself as like a primary care provider in a tertiary care environment. But that really wasn't the, the role that was in existence, you know, for neonatal nurse practitioners at the time. And so I, I left the Brigham and in search for education and started uh, working with this company called Children's Medical Ventures. They were all about developmentally supported care products, and they had this whole education team. And that was amazing that I, I got to work with just brilliant interdisciplinary clinicians, you know, specializing in neonatology across North America and even over in Europe. And that really lit a fire in me that I knew education was my calling. But again, you know, as life happens, you know, that job, you know, kind of disappeared and morphed into something else that really didn't feel aligned. But I knew I wanted to do the education around developmentally supportive care and then, you know, eventually discovered this idea of trauma-informed care. But, you know, I was, tr you know, trying to find the right job, couldn't find it, needed to get a job, you know, need to pay the, you know, mortgage and stuff. So... <laughs> I took this position at this very small community hospital that's within walking distance of my house. They had this really cool job um, opening. The position was titled Director of Professional Practice Education and Research. And I was like, are you kidding me? That is like the coolest title ever. I need that job. But it was an all adult hospital. So I thought, I don't, I don't know if I qualify for this. And this job actually turned out to be a turning point in my, in my career. I went down, I interviewed for the position. And I thought it would serve me to really understand hospital education, you know, and, and what are the requirements and what are the processes and policies and all that kind of stuff. So um, they gave me the job, God bless them. And I started doing my thing. And in the hospital, they had an adult ICU, adult ED, med surge, and then they had three psych units. They had an inpatient adolescent psychiatric unit, inpatient adult, and then inpatient older adult. Wow. Part of my team of educators were, you know, just brilliant clinical nurse specialists. So I felt really, you know, supported, you know, I, I didn't have to worry about any of the clinical stuff because I didn't know it, but these guys were really just brilliant. And I just got to learn all about the administrative pieces of it until one day I get called into my boss's office and she said, um, you know, we're having a little bit of difficulty on the adolescent unit, the adolescent psych unit. We need you to step in, Mary, as the interim nurse manager. And I, I was horrified. I was like, what, what are you kidding me? I, I have no psych background. And, um, and it's adolescence. She goes, well, you're the only person with pediatric experience. And I don't think adult clinicians understand that neonatology is, you know, I know it's pediatrics, but it's right. not pediatrics, right? right. <laughs> so um, I took that position and that's where I, um, everything changed when I got introduced to these children that were critically ill in ways that I had never seen before. Because when you go into the NICU, you know who the sickest person is because they're the person hooked up to the most equipment, right? With the most worried right. faces, you know, and wringing of the hands around their bed. But on this floor, these were children from 12 to 18 
that were critically ill and it was just, everyone was just extremely ill, but not on the outside, right? On the inside. So we, we started to pursue the adoption of this trauma-informed paradigm that was completely new to me, um, but apparently has been well-grounded in behavioral health and and in that whole world. I just, uh, you know, had that like aha moment as I was introduced to this paradigm, like, holy moly, this belongs in the NICU. This doesn't belong in just behavioral health because everyone, you know, who's in a a critical um, situation or has a life-threatening illness or maybe even just is sick, they can be completely overwhelmed by the circumstances, completely overwhelmed by what's happening to them. And that translates into a biological response that we can actually address, you know, if we, if we understood the concept. Right. If you don't mind me asking, how many years ago was that, that you took that position and kind of were introduced to trauma-informed care? So that was between, I think it was like in 2012, 2013, that I started that work. And, and again, you know, I, because of the resonance that I saw with it, I just went nuts and started diving into the research and I was writing and blogging. And like, I felt like I was like on top of a mountain yelling to everybody like, oh my gosh, you have to know about this stuff. And one unsuspecting day I was in my office and I got a phone call. Yeah, it was a phone call from someone from Springer Publishing Company in New York and she, you know, she was very gracious. And I was thinking, what, why are you talking to me? <laughs> and she said, well, we've actually been reading your blogs and what you're talking about is very cutting edge. And we would like you, well, I think she phrased the question, have you ever thought about writing a book? And my answer was no, <laughs> I've never <laughs> thought about writing a book, but she said, you know, we really think that this is important information and we'd love to support you in this endeavor. And that's, that was the first book, the first edition of uh, Transformative Nursing in the NICU, Trauma-Informed Approach. It's just amazing. It is amazing. And it's, it's so interesting. A lot of times in the NICU world, we find that, that there's so many things that are directed towards the adult or even the adolescent population that do not fit our genre or our patient mm-hmm. population in the NICU. And this is yeah. just a perfect example of that. But yet, which we'll talk about in a second, but there is so much trauma that goes into the NICU with our patients, our infants, but then also the families as well. So I guess we'll just lead into that. Was it a concept that you felt like was difficult to get out there? Or once you started talking about it, once the book came out, people were like, aha. And then if you could talk a little bit more about how does it relate to our NICU population and their families? Yeah. Well, when I first, you know, was blogging about this and then started working on the book, I really, I felt so um, prophetic about it. You know, it was just like, give me a second and I will talk about this because it just seemed so urgent and was, you know, blessed to have many opportunities to actually speak. One of my first speaking gigs on trauma-informed care was at the National Association of Neonatal Nurses annual conference. I think it was 2013 or 2014. And I felt really excited about that opportunity, you know, because here's, you know, our national organization right. and they are, they were right, right on it. They, they saw the urgency of it. I, I then got to write guidelines for practice. So it was, it was great, you know, that these larger organizations were seeing it and recognizing it, but just like anything, right. That there's such a, a gap, you know, between these organizations that are always on the pulse of what's, you know, unfolding and that cutting edge compared to the front, uh, the frontline clinician, who's, you know, knee deep into their own lives, their own challenges, maybe their own traumas. Um, It's really hard to keep abreast of, you know, 
what's new in the world of surfactant, never mind mental right. health. You know, people are scratching their head. You're talking about mental health for babies like this. What are you talking about, Mary? And then there was also challenges that still, you know, kind of persist today. Although I think in the wake of COVID, I think a lot of people's eyes have been really opened to Absolutely. The, the, the idea of trauma that sometimes clinicians are concerned that, you know, are you trying to tell me, Mary, that I'm traumatizing these patients? You know, that's not why I went into nursing or medicine or whatever. It's because I think the word is so loaded, right? I mean, trauma, and it, it should have that gravitas, right? But I think historically, we like to control the language. We like to manage, you know, the vibe because I think we're so immersed in the trauma that we almost get desensitized to it in a kind of a self-preservation way. And so I think um, that's kind of where the work is now. It's kind of navigating that, which parallels like my kind of trajectory with this work. You know, at first, on first pass, I was, oh my gosh, it's the baby, 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 with a bit of a nod to the family. And then it was like, oh, the family, they need a heck of a lot more than a nod, Mary. This is traumatizing to them as well. But it's that journey that one goes through in understanding a concept that has such huge relevance, right? It, 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 it's so pervasive that after, you know, really getting my head around, what are the layers of this experience for the family? And then seeing, well, gee whiz, then the clinicians are bearing witness to this. And everybody on the planet started out as a child, as a baby. So what's that story? You know, you just start really seeing, it's like these, um, like tentacles or, you know, this web that um, engulfs everybody. And even though that may feel daunting and scary, for me now where I'm at, there's comfort in that in, because I see now that, you know, we can, we can heal each other, you know, because we're all part of the same web. Yes, I love what you were just talking about, even the layers in the web. And I think that that is so interesting. And just even from what I've, when I hear you speak, and then just even from your website, I, what I also like about too, is the relatability. And I know that you talk a little bit about just the stories that we all have stories and essentially we probably all have trauma, but just as you mentioned, I feel it's such a impactful word that mm -hmm. I think even when you and I have spoken in side conversations, I think I even mentioned to you that when I went to go see my therapist, she was talking about little trauma and big trauma. And just with having my son, William, in the NICU, and then even with our losses, she actually had to tell me, she's like, Nicole, those were, that's big trauma. And yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe even as nurses or nurse practitioners or women, I don't know what it is. I think a lot of times we like to downplay the word, but yeah. just if you could talk a little bit too about how all of our stories then help us to relate to other people and their trauma and how all that kind of goes into play. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's the story piece is really the thing that helps us make those connections with other people because we, we all have stories. And so stories connect us beyond, you know, our intellect, right? Stories connect us at the heart. And it's that piece then that I think opens the door for us to see the vulnerability, you know, of another person and also feel our own vulnerability. And so I think that's the reason why stories really help us 
reconnect with our shared humanity. I'm a big, big um, Gene Watson nerd. <laughs> Jean Watson, a nurse theorist, and her theory right. of um, the science of human caring, and can get kind of existential about it. But I think what we're learning now, you know, with quantum physics and lots of other scientific approaches, that those spiritual dimensions of our of our humanity are also very important for us to feel seen, feel the compulsion of compassion and and kindness and that sort of thing. And so when I share my story with you, when I share my vulnerability with you, it just melts away, usually, your armor, right? And you can lean into that experience. And we use that, that encounter as a vehicle for healing, for metabolizing, right? Because it's the, the other thing about, you know, if we stay on the surface and we just talk trauma and all that kind of stuff, we just add another layer to that person's like pathology, if you will. But it's not that kind of a thing, right? There's not a cure for our histories, for our, you know, for our traumatic experiences. What we need to do is we need to move through them. And it's really hard to move through them all by yourself, like you kind of mentioned earlier. And that's why a lot of folks get stuck in their trauma. And even like I think of, you know, families in the NICU, when we don't call it trauma, we don't give people the language that they need to do that metabolizing, right? Right. They just, and I, I don't have that experience. I'm not a NICU mom, but I can only imagine that if I didn't have the language then I might just think there's something wrong with me. I'm crazy. Why can't I just let this go? Everyone else seems to be fine with this, you know, air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, what's wrong with me? And so I think that's the reason you can't talk somebody out of their, their feelings, out of their, their trauma state, if you will. And I, I think about this really fascinating book, What Happened to You by Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. And um, he talks about the neurosequential model of when we, when people are in trauma, we try and approach it from a top-down perspective. We try and talk to their cortex <laughs> and mm-hmm. talk them out of it instead of this using the story and our connection to first help them regulate right autonomically and then relate at that human-to-human level. And then once that happens. We don't need to talk to their cortex because they can open up and and do the work that that they need to do. Does that make sense? Did I answer your question? Absolutely. Yes. And I love that you mentioned that because I think in general, just with my experience, but then also speaking with a lot of NICU moms that just as you mentioned, I think a lot of times just they feel as though there's something wrong with them because... Whether it's in the NICU, I don't think necessarily they recognize. You know that you're in a experience. I think you're not going to quickly call it trauma. But even when you get home, I think that yeah. you are built up with this idea that you get home and your baby's home from the NICU, God willing, and doing okay, that you should just be okay. And yeah. I don't think a lot of moms or families are informed or knowledgeable on the fact that that trauma and that all that experience in the NICU is going to follow them for years. And I just love the open conversation of saying that, that first off, that's common. And that I love that you say that, yeah, we need to just label it as trauma and not to put an idea in their head because it's already happening, but to at least identify it 
that, mm-hmm. yes, that is what it is. And you need to be prepared to deal with it so that you are able to connect with and attach and nurture your baby and still have a healthy relationship with your spouse or whomever, you know, just relationships in general, because it affects all of those things if it's not dealt with. Yeah. Um, There's a really great book, another book um, in the work of this gentleman, Bessel van der Kolk. And he talks about how the body remembers how people that survive trauma, those experiences actually create cellular memories. Wow. You know, trauma can get trapped in the body if you don't talk about it. And you might not understand why you're feeling so short tempered or you're feeling, you know, depressed or you're feeling, uh, have a heightened anxiety and, you know, all of these different things. You know, when you walk back into the hospital, maybe you go into a sweat and you may not make the connection that it's, oh, it's because of the trauma that I had. You just, again, you think I must be crazy. And um, my baby's healthy. My baby's alive. I should just get over it. And it's, it's, you know, really helping people see that it's, you don't get over it. You move through it. You know, there's wisdom in the experience, right? And then there's stuff that you just have to let it, you got to let that go. But you have to know that you're moving through um, an experience that will leave scars, will leave wisdom. But I think as healthcare professionals, we have a responsibility to prepare people for this, right? I mean, and help them understand that. And I think we also, from a systems perspective, have a responsibility to put better resources in to the system and into the processes. You know, we need to have better uh, mental health resources and not just these incredibly amazing social workers that are overwhelmed and overworked. So really kind of thinking about those other aspects to really help the parents and the clinicians as well. Yes, I completely agree. You know, I feel like there has to be better systems and additional support as well as resources available for our NICU families while they are in the NICU and then even after discharge. I know whenever I speak with many NICU families, I hear how so many of them really, really struggle, especially after discharge. And I feel like sometimes we've don't necessarily forget about that, but because we don't see it and realize it, we forget the impact of the trauma that they've gone through and just, you know, their unlikelihood of really processing and moving through it. So I we have to find a better way to care for the entire family unit um, and their whole well-being so that they are mentally well to take their babies home and nurture them and not just nurture their baby, but, you know, all of their relationships. One of the things on your website is I love the statement that with every encounter, we touch lives and impact lifetimes by showing up to each encounter with intention. And I just found the concept so impactful. And like I said, just not even as a clinician, but also as a NICU parent, that I think we can often forget how impactful our role is, especially as clinicians. And just with my personal NICU experience and what that means to have a provider who, you know, is really cognizant of that. So if you could just explain a little bit more about our ability to transform our typical routine care activities in the NICU into meaningful moments for the infant and their family. Yeah. Well, that really, it's all about a paradigm shift. It's really about moving away from that very um, sterile biomedical approach to healthcare and really and truly embracing a relationship-based model, a relationship-based, a human-based paradigm. 
And we have to be educated on this, right? We have to understand that everything, every single thing we do from a look, from a sigh, you know, to a a full-on conversation, every single thing we do has meaning to that parent, has meaning to that baby, you know, and, and oftentimes the baby is just left at the mercy of the system because so many of us have been accultured into believing that, well, these are, you know, we have all this different jargon, right? Externalized fetuses, you know, premature babies, you know, underdeveloped, immature, all of these words that are, that are accurate, you know, from a biological perspective, but from a human perspective, they're still living beings right. that share a common experience, you know, because they're human. So we need to recognize that. So there's really a huge retraining, I think, that needs to happen, a reawakening, if you will. And I think that reawakening isn't something that, you know, as much as I'll talk, you know, about this until the cows come home, um, (laughs) is just a small piece because it really is about people opening up their hearts, right? About people really doing that deep reflection and making that authentic connection with the humanity of another living human being and seeing that. When I talk about trauma-informed care and doing cultural transformation, people kind of go, oh, I don't have any more bandwidth. I can't do one more thing. I mean, I understand what they're saying for sure, but that's just not what becoming trauma-informed is about. It's not about doing more. It's about being more being more of your loving, compassionate self. I mean, at least for me, my loving, compassionate self was buried and chained in the cellar of, you know, my soul many years ago, because I was trained that I had to be this expert technician, you know, super smart and, um, and no emotions, you know, don't get emotionally involved, you know, because somehow that denigrated my professional status. Mm-hmm. And nothing could be further from the truth, right? The further I removed myself from my authenticity, the sadder I got about my role, because I saw my role as that, you know, fresh faced new grad, as, you know, really making a difference of caring for these individuals. Florence Nightingale says, you know, the nurse's role is caring for the human experience of disease. Now, in the course of that, you are taking care of, you know, the disease elements and stuff like that. But we get so seduced by the technology and by all of the bells and whistles. And we're, we can also get super ostracized if we are too touchy-feely, right? Remember developmentally supportive care was like, that was the frosting on the cake or the jimmies on the frosting on the cake, you know? <laughs> we'll do developmental care, you know, two weeks before they get discharged. And it's like, well, that's a day late and a dollar short. So right. that transformation piece is as simple as before you put your hands on the patient, just taking that moment and aligning yourself. There's uh, this really cool little practice that you can do. It's from Joan Halifax. She's a a Zen Buddhist nun. And she did a lot of work with end-of-life palliative care nurses who had a high degree of burnout. And it's not about putting on your armor and distancing yourself because the more you distance yourself, the more you increase your burnout likelihood. It's by really just taking off the armor and connecting with that lived experience. Yes, it's going to touch your heart. It could break your heart, but your heart will heal just in the knowing that you made a difference by showing up fully for this other person. Her little acronym is um, the word GRACE, G-R-A-C-E. So just stop. It takes a minute. Stop. 
Breathe, gather your attention. R, recall your intention. A, attune to the situation. And C, consider your options. Am I going to reach in, flip and strip? Or am I going to, you know, maybe take a moment because the person's still sleeping? Or maybe I'm going to facilitate skin to skin. It's, it's being present. It's not going on my default mode. And then the E is about engaging and then ending, you know, and, and, and really being there as a human being, not as a technician, but as that fully compassionate person. And that's what transforms anything. It doesn't matter what tool you use, what positioning thing, what nipple you do, what, what vital sign you check. It doesn't matter. It's how you show up as that loving, compassionate human being. I love that. And I love that, you know, it's funny back, as you mentioned, Florence Nightingale, that it's just really back to the basics, essentially. But I love the grace that you said, because you're very intentional and you're attuned to what it is that you're doing. And you may not feel like the baby is going to be impacted by this, but obviously they are. But just even by what you said and by being present and gauging what that means to the parents and families is that's where I think it's so amazing because just one person can make a really, really big impact on your NICU journey. And just think of how impactful it would be if we would all try to do that. So I know I'm definitely interested in enrolling in one of your programs, but if you could talk a little bit more about the programs, if there are individuals or hospitals that would Mm -hmm. like to get involved and learn more about trauma-informed care, if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, we do full-on cultural transformation projects that can take one to three years. We do individual programs, little workshops, masterclasses, talking about the biology, the science and the soul aspects of trauma and trauma-informed care and the practical components, you know, using the core measures for trauma-informed developmentally supportive care. Probably our most prominent course is the Trauma-Informed Professional Certificate Program. We developed this program to meet the accreditation requirements of the Institute for Credentialing Excellence. And it is a hybrid course. It is made up primarily of self-paced online modules. Each module focuses on one of the eight attributes of a trauma-informed professional. These attributes were actually identified by a brilliant group I got to work with of international interdisciplinary clinicians who were very passionate about this. And we wanted to identify qualities that, you know, showed that somebody was walking the talk, you know? So you go through those modules and then you must attend one three-hour masterclass called the Surge Masterclass. You don't have to be enrolled in the program to attend one of these masterclasses, but okay. it is part of the, um, the certificate program as well. And then we also um, require that you attend two mastermind sessions. And this is where um, people that are you know, matriculating through the program and that have all also graduated from the program come together. And we just talk about what are your discoveries and how are you translating these discoveries into your life, both personally and professionally, Mm -hmm. because we do really kind of help people see that, you know, this idea that you can be a split person, you know, like I have my professional hat on now and I act this way and I, oh, I'm I'm not at work anymore. I'm this way is just silly, right? I mean, we're an integrated whole and that integrated whole is who we want to show up to every moment um, that unfolds. So, of course, you know, visit our website, caringessentials.net, or you can reach out to me, Mary, at caringessentials.net, and I'd be more than happy to answer any questions and share more information with you. 
Well, thank you so much, Mary. I, I cannot thank you enough for joining us and for sharing all of your knowledge about this and how you came to learn about it and how you're um, sharing it with everybody and really educating us. And, and like you said, just transforming how we all show up. And thank you so much for your time. We will put all the links for Mary's website and all the information that she just mentioned in the show notes. But thank you so much, Mary. Again, we really appreciate it. Thank you so very much. It was an absolute honor. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. Isn't Mary so fascinating? She is so passionate and knowledgeable about her work. I am so thankful she is paving the way to get trauma-informed, developmentally supportive care into our NICUs for the infants, their families, and us as providers and clinicians. It is essential and will impact our families in so many ways. We all have a story, and it is what we have learned and metabolized through each of our individual journeys that connects us all on a human-to-human level. Thank you so very much to Miss Mary Coughlin for joining me. It has been an honor and a pleasure to have you as a guest. You truly are inspiring. For show notes, links mentioned in the episode, as well as additional information on the programs, certifications, workshops, and masterclasses, that Mary and her team offer through Caring Essentials Collaborative. Find the links in our show notes at empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash episode 31. Thank you for tuning in to the Empowering NICU Parents podcast and have an amazing day. Remember, once empowered with knowledge, you have the ability to change the course. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Empowering NICU Parents podcast. For the show notes and any links mentioned in the episode, head to empoweringnicuparents.com. I would love to hear more from you on the topics you want to hear, so make sure you let me know in the comments section. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode and consider leaving a rating. Five stars would be awesome so we can help other NICU families. Remember, if you have any questions or concerns with your NICU baby, please consult their medical care team. Until next time, friends. Bye.